We are to step out into the breach. We are to stand in the gap. We are to go and obey the command of our Lord. The world is at sword points. It needs the love of God. The world is confused. It needs the peace of God. Nearly half of the world's people have never heard the story of Jesus and his love. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Go, said our great commander. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We must live for the truth he died for. We must carry out the great commission. Go with love and compassion, but go. Go with your gifts and offerings, but go. Go with your prayers, but go. Go denying yourselves and following him, but go. Come on, can we give it up one more time for all the stories? Man, I'm telling you what, uh, we had more people than we've ever had at any uh, conference. We had 160 students come through our doors over the past couple of days, and we had 84 stories of life change come through. I wish we had time to talk about, and everything God did, but if you were there, you know. And just a reminder, uh, just so you guys know what happens in the spiritual world and the physical world, every time there's a high, there is a low. Every time you have a mountaintop experience with God, there is naturally a valley right after. And so every single one of you who went to conference and you came back and you fell into maybe what you were in before that you gave up on night one. Those of you who came back and you experienced some attack at home. Some of you who, man, went through conference and you felt like you were called to, to do this or you believe that God planted purpose inside of you or you got filled with his power or, or whatever it was. And you came back what felt to a world uh, that was unlike what you experienced at conference, understand what God did was real. Like the same God that was at conference is the same God that's with you and in you right now. But right now, after the mountaintop experiences, this is the fight. This is what matters. It's your perseverance through every single thing right now. When it gets tough, when it gets hard, when you don't have the building, this is when it matters. And so I just want to encourage you, man, what you wrote down your story, keep going. Because I promise you, while mountaintop experiences, conferences are great, what's what's Impossible to describe is the moment by moment, the day in, day out, face-to-face -face relationship with God. So every single one of you, man, who went to conference, who maybe didn't as we gear up to go back to school, uh, this is our second to last night during the summer, man, lock in, because I'm telling you the best is yet to come for every single one of you. And so for tonight, we're going to be diving into a real quick conversation. It's kind of going to uh, be tailored uh, with uh, our pastor's conversation this Sunday on Jesus Revolution. Uh, but before we do... As a reminder, every single time we come in here, we don't talk about opinions. We don't speak what we think is our truth. We declare the truth. Jesus Christ said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The reason Jesus Christ came to the earth is to reveal who God truly is and who you truly are and the life he truly has for you. And this is why we open up this book. If you don't know what this book is, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God that tells one unified story that leads to Jesus and life to the fullest. And one of the biggest reasons that this is such a gift to us is it reminds us of everything that God did before we were even us. You need to know that you serve a God that is beginning and end. He's, he was here before you and he will be here after you, but he loves you enough to actually be a part of your story. And when we open up this book, we're reminded of all the things that we were never a part of. And you realize that the same God that was faithful back then is the same God that's faithful right now. That the same God that worked miracles, the same God that worked healing, the same God that changed nations, changed the heart of kings, that brought supernatural revival to lands of the same God that's wanting it to do in you. And that takes place when you open up his word and read it. And tonight we're going to have a fun conversation around this simple principle. Relationships 
are built on what you can remember. Relationships are built on what you both remember. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a man and woman by the name of Kim and Cricket. Um, what was their last name? I forget their last name. Let's just call them Kim and Cricket. Actually, I want to do their name justice. It was Kim and Cricket Carpenter. And they fell in love, and they just got uh, started dating, and they knew they were the one. And then one day, they ended up getting married. It was an incredible ceremony, an incredible honeymoon. And 10 weeks after their wedding date, on September 18th, 1993, they were in a fatal car accident. Luckily, both of them survived, but unfortunately, the wife, Cricket, suffered a traumatic brain injury to where she could not remember anything. Their whole entire relationship, gone. Every memory, every moment vanished. And so in one reality, the, the husband who fell in love with Cricket, Mr. Kim, he fell in love with her, all that entire relationship vanished in a moment, all the memories, all the moments, all the love, all the passion, all the experience, every moment was still reality in him, but his wife could not remember. And because she couldn't remember anything, it was as if the relationship didn't even exist because relationships are built on what you can remember. It was so much to the point that they ended up making the whole entire story into a movie called The Vow with Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams, demonstrating to the whole entire world that relationships are built on what you remember, on the memories made together. And this is every relationship, especially me and my wife's relationship. I remember one of the first uh, memories I had when, uh, when we were about 15. You guys know our story. I ended up cheating on her with a girl, didn't even know, then had a radical encounter with God. But I wanted her back, man. I knew she was the one. So I had all the game in the world. I did this. I learned this. So we both worked at Chick-fil-A, God's place. And so what I did was, before they had digital schedules, I remember this to this day. It was, it was amazing. I go in, and I look at her schedule, and I see she's getting off at 9 o'clock every night. So what I do, I pull up in my B3000 mod to pick up truck at 855, order me a number one with a milkshake, meaning I'm going to be here for a minute. And then I sit right next to where she's going to have to walk out. So every single night, I set up for a little blind date. And of course, you know, when she gets off work, she's going to be tired. She's going to need to rest. I was like, here, not here, babe. Hey, you want some fries? And I'm talking about that's how we started dating again. I just set up a little perfect time and date, and we would end up, man, having conversations in her gray Honda Civic, uh, and, and, and the rest is history. Then I remember we got married. Uh, another memory we had was she always jokes on me because she says I'm the kind of dumb one, the one that does stupid stuff. And if you know me, you just know that is the reality. But the 1%, this is what I live for. This, this woman, this responsible mother of two woman, she comes home from our wedding after our honeymoon. It might have been another wedding. I can't remember what it was. And she got a toaster. So we brought the toaster home. No, it was our friend, Fan Gabe's wedding. And we had given them a toaster just to use because they had bagels and whatever. And she forgot that one of the wedding party favors was in the toaster slot. And so we had just had our baby. And so I'm away. You know, I had to go. Uh, I was working, doing something. I come home, and she is petrified, freaking out. She's like, babe, almost set the house on fire. I'm like, what? She goes, I put a bagel in the toaster. It got stuck, and it almost set the house on fire. Literally, the toaster caught flames and almost combusted, and it was because she left one of the little party favors in the toaster. My wife almost burned our house down. And every relationship is like this. I remember another funny memory of my friend was when, if you guys know Corey Young, he's that guy with a really long mustache. He works at the cafe. He was the guy who was running Caltown football. Back in high school, I finally got out of my B3000 Mazda pickup truck 
and I got a brand new white convertible top Mustang. I'm talking about, I was like, oh God, you freaking love me. It's amazing. It was awesome. Um, so we go to uh, Fun Park one night. We were bowling. It was like after a Wednesday night. And I'm going, and I'm just, it sounded like a weed eater, but I thought I was cool. I'm just revving it. And all of a sudden, I hear, I look behind me, bro. This Jerry Curl little boy, Corey, wrecked into my brand new Mustang. And it took him six months to pay me $5,000 to take it to Master Body Works to get it fixed. See, every relationship is built on what you remember. They're built on the memories that you make together. And a lot of memories are the funny, dumb ones, and some are the, the more, I guess, romantic ones or better ones. But the good news and the kind of scary news is that our relationship with God is the same way, that your relationship with God is based on what you remember or what he remembers. Your relationship with God is built off the memories that you make together day by day, moment by moment, conference to conference, week to week, the moments you make together. And the good news is that, guys, you don't serve a God that's like me that's going to come up here and roast you for your faults, your sins, your mistakes, the times you jack up, the times you do something stupid. We don't serve a God who gets glory in us looking like idiots. Hey, the truth about our God is that he blots out all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your idiotic, stupid decisions. He forgets them. This is what it says. And I love this verse. It says this in Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, talking about God, am he who blots out your transgressions, another word for sin. He says, for my own sake, I blot them out, and I'll remember your sins no more. Now, this is not saying that God has like divine dementia. This ain't saying that he got Alzheimer's. This ain't saying that he's dumb and getting too old, he can't remember anything. Because the truth is that God, it's not that he can't remember what you did, it's that he chooses not to remember. He says, for his own relationship with you, for his own name's sake, because of Jesus Christ, because the sacrifice was so big, because his life was so grand and because his resurrection was so powerful, he chooses not to because of Jesus. And this is what it says in Psalms 103. This is so cool. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And that word fear doesn't mean like, oh my God. Like it doesn't mean like I'm afraid. It means that I'm in awe of him. It's, a, it's another level of relationship. It's like, bro, when you're so in awe, you just respect him. There's just like a, there's a respect that you give them. He says, for those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Homie, I don't know if you know this, but you can't exactly track or plot a point from east to west. It's a metaphor saying he's completely removed it. You need to know after conference, today, regardless of where you are, he has removed everything. Like everything you've done. Every mistake. Everything you've done, he's removed it. He does not remember. He chooses not to. He actually loves you so much, wants relationship with you so much, wants you to be fully, because, what, I mean, what do we do when we do something stupid? We hide. Like, he cares so much about you and being with you that he removed every sin, every mistake, every dumb decision you would ever make from his sight, from your life. Think about it, though. If relationships are built on what you can remember, and he removed from his memory every bad or dumb decision you ever made. What does that leave of your relationship? What have you given God to remember? See, 
just like in like your iPhone, like you can scroll through your pictures and you can go beyond the albums and there's like that little thing that's like your memories and it's like back in spring 2021, whatever. And you can scroll through and it makes you like your little cute little, y'all see that on iPhones, it like makes you a little video. Like, and I can go back to the day my son was born and I'm just <laughs> like just crying because of the memory we had together. I can go back to the day that we were married and I can relive the moment. I can relive the kiss. I can relive the cake. I can relive the me and the dance that my, because that relationship is built on the memories we made. I can go back and I can look at the 10, 10 trips we took to Ford Conference and I can relive those moments. I can relive the moments when we had the weekend and it was incredible because that photo booth took us 20 hours to make. Like, I can remember all those moments. What does God remember from your life as he removed everything? Have you given God something to remember? Because God, man, life, it sucks when it lives from sin to sin. Like, life is not meant to be lived from one dumb decision to the next. Like, the goal of our life after we give our life to Jesus is to give him something to remember. The Bible says in the same exact way that we have those memories on our phone, the Bible says that God in heaven right now has what's called a book of remembrance. This is what it says in Malachi. This is so cool. Literally, God in heaven has a book just like this that is called the book of remembrance where he has literally written down, taken notes, everything you've ever done. And remember, if you're in Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, he's removed every negative thing. This is what it says. Not everyone. Oh, that's the wrong verse, Jay. We'll get to that in a minute. That's a scary one. In Malachi 3.16, it says this. Then those who feared the Lord revered him, respected him. Like these are the people, they went all in with him. They loved him, talked with each other, and they heard the, the Lord listened and heard. A scroll or a book of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. The truth is that in heaven right now, there is a book with your name on it. And the author of life authored your story, and he is writing down everything that you are doing in this life, good or bad. And the truth is that at the end of your life, every single one of you are going to be judged based off the good and the bad that you did. And the good news of those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, because of Jesus, the Bible says that we are now hidden in him, and he's removed all the sin. All that's left is the son. But the question is, what have you done? What is in the book? What have you given God to remember? And this is not like a condemning thing. It's like a, when you truly love somebody, you go all out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, when you see your book, is it like a multi-season novel? Or is it like a text you get from a best friend with less than 140 characters? Like, what have we given God to remember? Here's the thing. The trap I fell into, I mean, the trap that we all fall into, really, is we live from experience to experience. That is not God's will for your life. That is a shallow existence. That is missing the point. We will have so many experiences, bro. You better believe that. We are creating teams and all this stuff to create experiences. But if you live for the experience, when the experience is over, you're not going to experience anything. The goal is to go from the experience to the exploit. It's another word for good work. Like we talked about on night two, God's purpose is planted in your life. That means God has a purpose for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece. You are unique the way that you are. And when he knit you together in your mother's womb, he had one specific, unique plan, calling, and direction for your life that nobody else is going to fulfill except you. That means that your life, because you're a created being, is pointless without the purpose that you're walking in. But notice, when God puts purpose in you, he doesn't put, it's planted, it's not on a platform. 
And so there's a season, there's times, there's experiences that need to be had where you come into an environment where you encounter the presence of God and what God has done in you begins to get out of you. And the Bible says that God has good works for you to do. In other places, it says that God has created you for good and great exploits, which is doing big things for God in the world, like building his kingdom in the world, like actually living for him, not just finally finding life in him. The goal of our life is to go from, yeah, experience, but then to exploit. Experience to the good works. Experience to exploit. But the question is, what have we given God to remember? See, I feel like a lot of us, man, our life, if you categorize it, is more like a blooper reel than a highlight reel. Y'all, y'all ever see on ESPN the top 10 plays? But this was me growing up. Like, I don't really watch TV now. I don't really have time, honestly. But like, dude, ESPN top 10 was like the jump. Every single Saturday morning, they would have the top 10 plays, and then they would also have like the not top 10 plays. So I'll show you real quick some of the biggest top 10 plays so far from this year and the surrounding years. Go ahead and play that video. The top 10 highlights. That was me, D1. Get him, Jay. Uses his legs. No, that really wasn't me. Jumping backwards, still on his feet. Look at this run. Murray, first down and a half to play. That's a bomb. Oh. Wet. What? Ridiculous. Damian Lillard. Lofts it up. Has O'Grady. First down. Inside the four. Well, he's still up. on his feet. Down to the Get off me, bro. Are you kidding me? He's going to take it to the end zone. What a job. Curry trying to draw the foul. Still gets it to go. Steph Curry. Leaning left to try and draw the contact. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we'll go to the next one in a second. See, that's what our life should look like, like low key. Like every single one of us, there are highs and lows in our life, right? And every high should, by nature, be followed by a highlight. But many people's high ends at night. Like, Many people's high, like that moment, it ends when they go to bed and then they wake up in reality and they go back to normal. It's like the whole point of that is not the personal experience, it's the public highlight. Like there should be a something, like when God does something in you, the only natural response is for something to happen out. But in reality, many times I think our life looks like this, like a blooper reel. Like this. Yeah, here we go. Oh, oh God. <laughs> that hurt. Lewis Ferguson is sitting up, hopefully only shaken after a spit. That's shot footer Kendall Williams not making friends. <laughs> That's a shot football in the gentleman taking the gold medal. And you think all your troubles are over. Look at the piggyback ride given by the mascot to Malane Walker. Oh! <laughs> I don't guess he can see very well in that outfit. That <laughs> could have been dangerous. Third time, security's like, I'm going to deal with you. Oh. <laughs> security dude's like, yeah. <laughs> he was so concerned about pulling his pants up. This is the first hole for Bogey. <laughs> right, so it's a par four. That's his fifth. Uh-huh. That's six. That's seven. <laughs> and at this point in time, there's all kinds of weird things going through your brain. This is the first <laughs> hole of the Masters. And then he misses that, and he makes a sextuple bogey. I've no idea what to say about that. That was disgraceful. Knocking off one Antonio Fletcher, and then pushing poor Johnny Hoogland. Oh, my God. Forget faith for a second. There's so many people, their whole life is a blooper reel anyway, bro. 
They're just, that's <laughs> so awesome, bro. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I, man, that was, bro, growing up, that was me. It was like every experience, like it was, it was a high. And then the very next day, another blooper, another blunder. It was like, and it gets depressing after time too, man, because you, you come to church, you do all this stuff, you get filled up, you do all this stuff, and then you go back to what's normal. And it doesn't have to be like that. Like our pastor, Josh, he, uh, before he was a pastor, he was uh, kind of like a traveling evangelist, and he traveled with a guy named Curry Blake. Um, and Curry Blake, he was this really powerful speaker. He had a really cool uh, ministry. And Josh told the story of Curry. He had this dream. And in the dream, he literally said that like he was in heaven in the dream, and he could see this book. But it wasn't his book of remembrance. It actually was a book of all the things that God ever did. It was crazy. He said he was shook because like when he opened the book, he could see everything that God ever did for him. He could see the things that God protected him from. He could see the moments where like God was there behind the scenes, but he didn't see it. He could see everything. The page was filled, the book was filled with everything that God had did, the things that he saw, the things that he didn't. And so that God closed the book and then he, in the other part of the dream, he saw his book. He saw like during his ministry, he saw like pages filled up and he began to flip the page and he saw space where there was capacity to be filled, but it was empty. And he flipped the next page, and the entire left and right side was completely empty. And he kept flipping, and it was empty, and it was empty. And he woke up from the dream, and he realized how every day matters, man. How every moment matters. Whether we want to be serious or not, this is life and death, man. Like, some of you guys are about to go back to school, and it's going to be over at that point. Like what I love about summer and what we love about summer is it gives you a moment in your year to where you can stop and kind of pull back from reality, from school, from the stress, from the pressure of all that and give you a time to figure out what's important to you. And there, there's something about conferences and this stuff that like helps you see for a moment, get a taste of like, dude, life could be better. Um, but here's the thing, every day matters. Every moment matters. You're living in a world where there is a constant drift trying to pull you back into the life that you used to live. And if we don't live as if every day matters, we're going to get to the end of our life thinking that we are filled with a book that's empty. Living for things that honestly at the end of the day do not matter. Being worried about things that are never going to happen. Being fearful about things that honestly are already taken care of. And here's the thing, we've got to give something to God to remember because relationships are built on what you remember. And so really honestly for a second, think about, define your relationship with God based off what he remembers. And it's not much. Have you ever seen a parent with a kid? This is how I am with my boy Jace. When you have a parent who loves his kid, it doesn't matter how big or small it is. It's the biggest thing ever. Like I remember when my kid tried to take his first step, I flipped out. I remember when he actually took his first step, I told everybody. I remember texting the picture of his first poop to every family member. I'm like, y'all, my boy is this law. Like, I'm tripping about poop. Why? Because it's my son, man. It's like the stuff that you don't even think is, you think is that insignificant to your father in heaven. It, it doesn't matter how big or small. He writes it all, man. And so to some of you, this might be like, I'm not doing anything. But some of you, you need to know that it's enough. Like, you do not have to be Sadie Robertson. You do not have to be all these people on TikTok. You do not need a number. Good God, it's like in school we're defined by a letter. On social media we're defined by a number. Can we just be defined by a person? 
And he says you're enough because he is. Listen to me. Your identity is not found in a letter. Prepare yourself because you'll try to find it there. And it's not found in a number. And it's not found in anything else. It's found in a who. And what the who did for you is enough. The moment that we live less than God's best, man, we are actually saying in ourselves that Jesus, you're not enough, man. Or we just need help and we want to ask. But you need to know, really quick, every single one of you, look how empty it is right now. It won't be that way in a couple months. It'll be full, it'll be banging, this will be the place to be. You are in church, okay? But some of you, that's a freaking win, man. After what you've been through, being here is a freaking win. You better believe my God is taking notes. I remember that time of my, my son down there. He made the biggest mistake, but the next week he experienced restoration. He was back in church. Write it down. Like, you think it has to be this big thing? Like, he's a good God who's a father to you. He's writing it all, no matter how big or small. Like, when your family gets in a fight, and you go and you shield your brother from it, and you be strong by being weak, he writes it down. Like, you better believe that when you are bitter at somebody, and without even saying it to them, you forgive them in here because you understand that peace is better, he's writing it down. It's like when you choose not to consume that thing, I'm not even talking about like drugs or anything, I mean like visually, because you know what it does to your brain and it separates you from real, he's writing it down. Like when you actually take a moment to look for the loner, and here's what we tell our leaders, and you don't just sit by your friend, but you look for somebody else, and you say hey to them, he's writing it down. Like everything that you do, like he's writing it. Everything. It doesn't matter how big, how small. He's writing it all, man. Everything you do. To some of you, that's to say, that's awesome. That's to keep you going. And to some of you, relationships are built on what you remember. What memory have you made? The Bible says you're a masterpiece. Masterpieces are made to be looked at. Your life is made to be looked at. The Bible says that, man, people, and it's modeled in Jesus, like, there was something about Jesus that was so pure, that was so real, that was so powerful, that people were just better by being around him. And he's our standard. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's expecting you to be this perfect person, but we have a standard, and his name is Jesus, and we get to read about him. And it's like the more that you encounter him by simply seeing him, by simply looking at him, you begin to discover, it's like he's enough. And this is why relationship with him is so important. It's one of the scariest verses in the entire Bible. Honestly, it used to scare the crap out of me. And it's not about hell either. It's in Matthew. Jesus, he's, uh, he's speaking to some of like the religious people, the leaders, who literally are doing everything. Like to them, they think their book is full. They're doing everything. And Jesus says something to them that probably made them poop their freaking pants. This is what uh, he said. This is nuts. And this is... This is so what you read in here, this is what actually happened, but it, it's possible for every one of us. It says this, in Matthew 7, 21, he says, look, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I mean, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not, man, drive out demons? Did we not perform many miracles? These were all marks of what it was to be a follower of Jesus. We did all these things. Oh my God. And then he said, I'm going to tell them plainly, straight up. I never knew you, bro. Depart from me. I did not know you. We have no relationship because I remember nothing. There's two types of people, man. There's two traps that we have to be very careful. 
And this one is where I fall into, so I'm going to let you know. There are many people that will get so fixed on doing for God that they were never with God. It's like, you're doing all this stuff. Like, you're reading your Bible, but you never see Jesus in it. You're just doing it because you were told. Like, you're praying. You're serving. You're doing all these things for God, but you're never actually with him. Like, the first call of Jesus in the Gospels was to be with him, not do for him. You better believe you better do. Like, the Bible says, don't be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. You better do it. You better bear some fruit. Like, your book better be full, but the first call is just Jesus, man. It's just Jesus. You don't have to worry about doing all these things. The first call of a father is just be with me. I don't care what my son does for me. I just want him to be with me. And then there's another group where the other trap is, you could care less, man. And you just forget. It was kind of the theme of our conference. In Colossians 3, it says, man, all of us, we've died, and our life is hidden in him. And we forget that outside of relationship with Jesus, y'all pay attention to me, he will remember. Like, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, everything I said before doesn't apply to you. He remembers everything. Everything. Everything you did. Because he's a good, just judge. He's holy. He knows everything, man. Everything you do in your bedroom. Everything you ever drank. Everything you ever said about your mom everything, and you are going to be judged for eternity based on what he remembers about you, all your sin. Relationship with Jesus Christ is so important because it gives God what to remember when he looks at you. Will he remember your sin or will he remember your son? Our relationship with Jesus is based on one thing that we remember. Man, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, who was God in flesh, who was fully God and fully man, loved us enough to enter into our mess because he knew where we were headed. He became one of us, and he lived the life that, man, we could not live. He died the death that every single one of us deserved, but he actually was raised to life, defeating death to give us the power to do it. And it's because of that one thing we remember that we can have relationship. But hear me, if you do not have relationship with him at the end of your life, he's going to remember everything. And there is no hope, man. And I want to invite, as awkward as it is, no music, whatever, it's like after a conference, it's so easy to go through an experience like this. They're going to cut the lights out and all this stuff to make it as comfortable as possible. It is so easy to go through an experience and miss the main thing. Like if you went through all of conference and you had all these highs, but you never had the source, that high is going to turn to a low. Like all these things, you can go through that whole experience, but if you do not have pure, unadulterated, unwarranted, simple, just Jesus relationship, none of that matters. And if you're in here and you would say, man, that at all of your life, like honest to God, like you do not, you know for a fact you don't have a relationship with him at all. There's never actually come a moment where you have said in yourself, I, Jesus, I need you. Asking Jesus in your life, it, it's saying yes to him, but it's also saying no to you. Like the amount of stories that I got to see on social media, of people saying yes to Jesus for the first time, that's the greatest party in the world, man. That decision where you say yes to Jesus, where you say no to you, it's the best decision you could ever make, man. And it's